Windsor, Windsor. Ascot, Ascot. Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell, Wokingham, Wokingham. Henley. Henley, Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome to this Let's Do Lunch with me, Jenny Tishy. I'm a registered nutritionist and this is a show all about food and nutrition. Now we have a wide range of guests on this show and they have ranged from, well, last week we were talking about the connection between nutrition, stroke food and grief. And yet other weeks we've talked about food photography, we've interviewed chefs. Today we have someone slightly different, (laughs) still very much food related. Um, But please uh, join me in welcoming Connor Boyle, who is a founder of Plate Up. Now, if you're not familiar with Plate Up, this is a a menu um, or a recipe planning, menu planning app. It's quite new. Um, I will allow Connor to explain how it's come about, but let me just first uh, introduce you to him. So is it just a year ago, Connor, that you were a private practice lawyer slightly over? Just over a year ago, yeah. So, you know, what you find is uh, that's quite an extreme move from one to the other. I would love to know how on earth you've gone from being a private practice lawyer to a food tech startup. Pray do tell. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange story, actually. I think I was, whenever I was growing up, I was a bit entrepreneurial anyway. Um, how did, what form did that take growing up? I'm always intrigued by that. Oh, lots of things. So going to the local petrol station with my dad, he would give me the tokens to get things for free. So I would go buy the DVDs that were on offer, take them to school and sell them. Uh, you know, <laughs> Brilliant. And, and then I played a lot of tennis. So I would break strings every week. You'd have to go pay for that. So mm-hmm. I decided I'd buy myself a stringing machine. Good idea. And then started stringing for all the other people that played tennis, made loads of money that way. Brilliant. And then that just kind of escalated to various other things like tennis coaching, running my own camps. Uh, so you then, understood the concept of profit from a very yes, young age. Yes, and you know, I, th- I think I probably still have my first Holy Communion money somewhere. You know, it's, it's invested somewhere, <laughs> stashed. It's stashed away. Yeah. Um, so it was just always something that you know I was drawn to, and which is strange because my parents were both in the like teaching profession, so it wasn't something that was in our household. You uh, weren't so, learning it from them, I, so I don't know where that came from. Um, and then I suppose you know, what was in our household was education, education, education. So um, I followed the traditional route, you know, being from Ireland, banger. um, You either become a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant if you're academic in any way. So scared of blood, not going to be a doctor. Um, So I thought, you know, I'll be a a lawyer and, you know, it looked good on TV. Um, So I went through all of that and, you know, became a project finance lawyer doing deals all around the world. Um, even did some comments in Hong Kong, travelled loads, and it, I, I loved it. You mm. know, I loved the deal buzz. Um, it just, and even though I do miss it. So you but, were still taking that kind of entrepreneurial flair into your work as a lawyer. Yeah, I think as a junior lawyer, it must have been very hard to manage mm. because I didn't want to do the legal work. I wanted to go and get clients. So all my reviews when I was junior could 
could have better attention to detail, yeah. you know, <laughs> could, could, could finish his project, could have less client calls. Yeah, uh, before he moves on to yeah, the next yeah, thing. Yeah, because uh, I was always like, if I get in X client, then, you know, I'll become partner because yeah. it's not about doing the legal work. That's secondary. If I get loads of money into the firm, they'll love me and yeah. promote me. So that someone was, else will do the work. Uh, someone else will do the work. <laughs> Although that didn't fly. No, um, I can imagine. <laughs> and then, you know, very much worked very hard for 12 years. Um, as I said, doing various things, you know, 85 plus hours a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it kind of came to a head. I, I think we were just talking about my son was born right before lockdown and um, my wife had terrible birthing experience mm-hmm. and we got home and there wasn't, she couldn't really do much. So I was doing a three hour round trip commute, working 85 hours wow. a week. Um, and I'll have to be careful what I say, but I was working for a couple of different partners in different jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a big advice memo for a petrochemical plant uh, due on Friday. And I had a deal that was closing for US people on Tuesday. And at two o'clock in the morning, so it was Wednesday, my time I was on the phone to a really nice lady in the States Mm. explaining the changes to a document that needed to be signed that night. And I had my... three-week-old son in my arms because my wife was asleep crying and I was on the phone with her trying to explain really simple things from my perspective but the English laws got really Mm. weird ways of how to sign documents and things so just explaining that um and I just thought this is really hard this is very hard so the next day got up went back into work um and the the boss I was in charge of the petrochemicals deal was like why have you not put this before mine you're not working hard enough you're not dedicated to the firm. You're not, uh, you know, you shouldn't be doing nights. And I can't really go into that anymore, but he basically said, you know, that's not a man's job to be doing that. Wow. So, In this day and age as I well. know, I know. And then so on Friday, I got the memo out. I went straight to the barbecue and broke down. Mm. Completely broke, started crying. I was just in bits. And I'd already started playing up with Jack, my co-founder, and... I called my wife and she's like, you just, you've done everything, come home mm-hmm. and just, you know, go to sleep. I was just a completely broken man. Um, and then on Monday, funnily enough, was lockdown. So mm-hmm. I could have started working remote. Well, I did start working remotely from then. Yeah. And I always look back and I was like, should I have, um, you just held out another couple of days. No, you but can I was, always I think that. broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, took a couple of days that like, more normal mm. um and then my team actually left to go to another firm offered me a promotion offered me lots more money but on the premise that i forgo all my parental rights um whoa so i said no of course and uh looked after my wife and looked after my son and then i just thought i was always waiting for the perfect time to go full time on play it up there's never a perfect time to leave those golden handcuffs. You know, that's, you know, I still miss a, you know, the, the monthly check that would come in for yeah. my legal career. Um, I just thought this is the perfect time to say goodbye. Um, and that's, that's what happened. So started full time, played up rough just over October last year. Um, and haven't regretted a second of it since I just so much pa- more passionate about what I do. So we um, almost have to um, thank fatherhood uh for (laughs) what happened in your life it was almost like a a changing a point of change a transitional point in your life it sort of forced your hand in a way completely I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't say forced my hand but it kind of uh whenever I was 
thinking about what my priorities were, it changed. So it didn't mm. force my hand. It just, I always wanted to be a father. As we actually, my wife's a lawyer, we negotiated when we were going to have kids <laughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on a hike in Hong Kong. Uh, that's so funny. I, I got her down from two years to 18 months. Um, <laughs> it's a true story. And yeah, I, I just thought this is this is perfect timing. And it's it's worked out so well. Yeah. I'm really happy with the decision. So 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 plate up. You said you'd already started that before um, you went into yeah before you went into it full time. But so mm. it was already a concept. How did that come about? I'm I'm fascinated that despite all of those long hours and all of that work and following your dream, really, there was still something else that was catching your attention, and it was. Play top. Play so how did that come about? Uh, Jack Martin, my uh, co-founder, um, I was seconded to Hong Kong at the time, um, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, and and we we known each other for 15 years. We always talked about the big idea mm-hmm. and we came up with some terrible, terrible ideas. But he, he called me up and I hadn't spoken to him in months because obviously it was in a different continent, different time zone. And he just said, I've got the idea. I was like, okay. Um, and that idea was... The first iteration of Played Up. Okay. So he was following along with Joe Wicks, Lean and 15. Good. Um, trying to Good lose plan. a bit of, We love Joe Wicks. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but what he didn't love about it was all the admin that went along with it. Mm-hmm. So you know, you'd have to go get the book, flick through it, see what you wanted to eat, write that down, write down the ingredients, and then do that for three or four different recipes. Yeah. Then dedupe your shopping list, either go to the shop or go online and then do it all manually. Mm-hmm. Then wait for the ingredients to come um, or go get it and then come back, try and find the spot in the book. And then the next thing that he was doing was recording at MyFitnessPal because, you know, he wanted to count his calories and Mm. see how that works. So called me up and was like, there has to be a better way to do this. It's taken me about two and a half, three hours a week on admin, not actually cooking it. The the meals still took 15 minutes to cook, but getting prepared to cook the meals took him a long time. Yeah. So, And you're buying a lot of ingredients, aren't you? I know, you know, obviously as someone that writes recipe books myself, I know sometimes if it's an ingredient that, let's say you need to buy, you know, 500 grams or something, but you're only going to use 100 grams of it. What do you do with the other 400 grams, you know? Or if it's a spice or something, it's really frustrating, isn't it, that? It's really frustrating. So, yeah, we've we've thought about that in our app. So the first... the re- just a general overview of the app is you go in, you shop by recipes and then we automatically generate the shopping list and you can get the shopping list to go to your supermarket of choice. Currently we have Sainsbury's, Ocado and Waitrose on there and then they'll they'll deliver those ingredients to your front door. The reason why I wanted to say that there is because we actually have a cupboard items checklist so you don't order all of the items that you do have in your cupboard again, and then you realize, oh, why did I just buy salt? Like, yeah, again. i loads <laughs> in the cupboard, or olive oil. Um, so our, we, we, Jack and I just sat down and brainstormed for months. Um, this is back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we decided that we would put some money together and build um, an MVP, minimum viable mm-hmm. product. And that product kind of does what the app does now, but not to the full extent. And it actually had an additional feature was the My Fitness Pal calorie counter at the end. So whenever you came back into the app and you cooked the recipe, you'd hit I've eaten it, and then it would automatically generate the calories in your cool. own calorie counter. Uh, we thought it was cool. Mm. Everybody thought it was cool. So it started off as like a healthy food app because obviously Jack was trying to lose weight. Yeah. So it was, we had really great healthy recipes, which is fantastic because they're all still on the app. 
Um, and then we were we started talking to people outside, started talking to the customers, and you know, really trying to see what people want. Mm. People want to eat healthy, but not all the time. Yeah. And then whenever we looked at the data and spoke with our customers, nobody was using the calorie tracker. They just didn't wow, want I know. interesting. We gamified it. It looked like a, it was. It looked beautiful. And yeah. sorry to Jack, who spent so much time designing it. It's yeah. not. It no longer exists because what we discovered was people just wanted convenience. So the number one reason why people use our app is convenience and saves time. So yeah. do you know that's interesting? That actually, I think about that. It's only every so often do I get asked for the full um, nutritional breakdown of the recipes that I created, and it is only every so often. So perhaps yeah. that is reflective. But people want to eat well, and but you can see what you're eating is good food if it's got vegetables in it and it's you know lean protein yeah. and whatever. But if it's something a bit more decadent, you probably don't really want to know what's yeah. in it. You know, in terms of calories. And it, exactly. <laughs> well, we do have the calories still on there yeah. for everything, but. Um, you think that so that's kind of a, quite a small pivot. We'll go from healthy to not he- well everything. Yeah, everything inclusive. It was <laughs> inclusive. Great, well, great way to put it. Inclusive, but actually it was a complete pivot because the app had to completely change. Um, but importantly, and what's quite hard, and one of the challenges that we have is getting recipes onto the app from one of our differentiators. We think from other recipe apps is that we tried to get recipes from great chefs yeah um so you know we've got all these health all this healthy food but mm. we don't have a burger mm. or we don't have a, a curry or you know all these things where do we get this yeah. from because we can generate it all ourselves but we actually want to put chefs at the forefront of our app so yeah. there's lots of challenges in and around that pivot um so yeah we built the mvp um talked with a lot of people f- to get a bit of finance in mm-hmm. that's kind of when we pivoted because yeah. not only is it what our existing customers ask us for? The people with the money said, why are you limiting your audience to this small amount of people that just want to eat healthy and like open it up to everybody? Yeah. Everybody eats. And what we kind of go back to now is, and I'm sure you have found this during lockdown, is the question that everybody asks every night is what's for dinner? Yeah. And so we try to solve that problem plus take away all the admin yeah, that's, that's associ- brilliant. That's associated with it. It is, it is quite a sort of um, a stressful uh, question. To, I mean, I'm the person that creates most of the meals in, in our house. And even as someone that creates recipes mm-hmm. all day long, if not, you know, physically, then in my head, still to be asked that by two hungry teenagers. And I know <laughs> that, you know, when you've got young children, mm-hmm. it's not even a question. You just know that it needs to be delivered and it needs to be li- delivered within a very finite window. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get some issues. Yeah. <laughs> And that was another issue we faced whenever we were trying to get the new recipes on board, the you know the healthy recipes. If you're in a position where you want to eat healthy, you're probably going to put more effort and more time into mm. making the food. Um, but now we ca- we have a, a rule internally that 80% of new recipes have to be 30 minutes or less. Yeah, good. Because good. everybody wants to have quick, easy, delicious meals. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the ethos around the app. You know, we take the admin side out of it we take going to the supermarket side out of it yeah and then but what happened you, you do all that you save some time and then you have to spend four hours cooking something like that's yeah. not that that doesn't flow yeah um and we we find out some some cool stats whenever we're doing this i think 80 percent of us spend over an hour in the supermarket every week um so it's we get that time back that's not really a sort of a it shouldn't be a hobby should it no <laughs> should so it's be 60, a, 60 hours a year was the average 60 uh, hours yeah. a year in a supermarket so 
just wow. two and a half days. Um, so <laughs> my life is you know, wasted. Yeah, no, use, using the apps is two yeah. and a half days a year. So. See that that whenever you've got your know, your TV advert, you know you've got your strap line there. Save yourself <laughs> two and a half days. You can. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? We actually have a few few things on our website. What you can do is like watch. I don't know, hundreds of movies. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot. Of yeah, time. all of the Christmas movies you could watch probably in yeah. two and a half days. So um, people listening, you can probably tell by the accent that we are, you're not from here originally. No. I make you sound like you're from really far away. Mm. I myself am married to a, I, I will say it, nor an Irishman, <laughs> spell N-O-R-N. <laughs> we are allowed to say that, I think, uh, without being accused of anything. Um, but you are from Northern Ireland originally. So tell me about your connection to food growing up. Um, you know, it, it, it is, I find this fascinating how people get interested in food. Now, I know you have a food tech startup and I know you're interested in the tech, but you are interested in the food as well, aren't you? I am. And I can't, I can't uh, say that I'm, was born a foodie. I was in a household, my poor mother. Um, there was me, he was quite fussy, who would like meat and veg for dinner, very <laughs> simple things. My, I've got three sisters who all decided to be vegetarian. Hard. And then my mom and my dad would eat fish most nights as well. So she was cooking three meals a night. Oh, your poor uh, mother. I know. Um, and the reason why it was predominantly my mom who was doing it is because my dad can't well, couldn't cook or didn't try very hard. Can't cook, won't cook. Exactly. I mean, there was many a night we had frozen oven chips from him. So you know, whenever, whenever it's just, whenever, just whenever, the chips, whenever it's that bad, you know, you're never going to ask him for anything yeah. again. Um, so you know, growing up, it wasn't like food wasn't necessarily the pinnacle of everything. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, my parents didn't prevent me from going trying different things. We went to France every year, and Lovely. there was all these things were. Because as I said, there were teachers. We had six six weeks a year in France. Oh, like, fantastic! On the caravan, Ryan going to campsites, um, and you're just trying all these different things. But whenever I was younger, I was like, absolutely not. I'm no. not eating that. I mm. will, I will have meat and veg. Like, that's that's all I have. What's your fondest childhood food memory? Oh, I don't know. That's a very good. <laughs> I I remember sitting on the. Or Doyne River, and my dad had cooked some octopus on Whoa, a little. That's adventurous. That's really, yeah. I and and on a little gas stove in the campsite, and it was just first time I'd really forced myself to eat fish or seafood. And I just remember going, "It's a little chewy." I love the way yeah. you've gone the whole hog. You don't go yeah. for prawns or mussels. No. You go, oh, octopus. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was. I mean, yeah. Very different, and I, I feel bad. And if my mom's listening, I'm sorry. They're so difficult. Uh, <laughs> now but, I'm a father, <laughs> but now I absolutely love going home. And the first thing I do whenever I go back to my mom's house is open up her bread cupboard. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> the uh, Northern Irish bread. Bread is just so good. Um, yeah, you know, it's so single, varied, isn't it? Oh, wheat and bread. You've got the Belfast baps. You've got soda bread, potato bread, everything. And yeah. my mom loves like for lunch pretty much every day it's a different type of bread with the same cheese very very simple she absolutely loves it so whenever you go home it's the it's one of the first things i do it's like hi mom um where's where's the bread i love that so whilst most people vary the filling in the sandwich your Mm. mom varies the bread just keeps the filling the same yeah but when it's that good (laughs) it's that good yeah and there's bakeries aren't there in uh, northern i mean they still exist it's quite hard here i think to find a decent bakery in a town the Heatherly and Banger is phenomenal. Every time I'm home, which is not writing it that, down. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not being that frequent because of lockdown. Mm. We, my mom would go to the Heatherly pretty much every day, but whenever I'm there, I make a point of going myself just because it's. I love going in the smells, everything, and even looking at the buns and things. Even though I don't 
tend to get them. It's like, yeah, it's, it's nice. And I love that term as well, bun. It's yeah. like it's a, a term that covers everything, doesn't it? Yeah. If anybody's unfamiliar, <laughs> bun basically means anything you get from the bakery. And it's absolutely delicious. I mean, you know, I've never had a bad bun. I've never had a bad bread. Um, we've got wheat and bread, soda bread. Um, what else? The the, the falls, potato falls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, varied. Uh, and I think for me in the morning, some wheat and bread toasted. It's just, it's Hard Vida loaf. Oh, oh, Vida. Wow. Oh. I, I should have it's had before, before before I came here. Do you know I do struggle with that every time yeah. I do this show? It's between twelve and one on a Thursday, um, and every time I come away, and I'm like, why am I so hungry? Well, you've just been talking about food for the last hour, woman. Right. Well, after the break, we'll come back and we're going to be talking to Connor uh, a little bit more about plate up and uh, your passion um, for food in particular, and how plate up may have changed that. Win. <laughs> Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Okay, welcome back. We have got Connor Boyle here from Plate Up. Now, Plate Up is a food tech startup, but Connor Boyle hasn't always been in food. He has uh, come from the world of um, law. You were a private practice lawyer just over. Is it just over a year ago? We didn't actually clarify that. Yeah, then. just o- o- October last year. October last was, year. Was last wow. Day in the office. What a transition. So here you are now and, you know, you deal with tech, but you also deal with food on a daily basis. Now, one of the things um, that you said to me when we were t- researching this, this show, you were saying that you decided to become vegetarian in order to try a greater range of foods. Um, and when you started Plate Up, that is. So what, how's your experience been with that? Um, this actually goes back to the time I was discussing at the start whenever I was, you know, just had my son working mm-hmm. 85 plus hours a week plus the community. I felt terrible. Mm. And because we'd done so much research on different dietary preferences for plate up, I thought, I'm just going to try being vegetarian. My sister's all vegetarian. Yeah. You know, it, uh, let's, let's just see how I feel. And, um, I was quite re- really regimented at the start, making sure that it was all like, you know, Everything had to come from the grind, basically, and I felt so much better very quickly. Like mm. a couple, about three, four weeks, got more energy, and after about three, four weeks, um, I was struggling to, you know, what should I eat? And then I was mm. going onto the app, and I was actually okay. There's actually there's lots of stuff, and why am I like I should search for more things on the yeah. app? And so I, just, I fell in love with it, and it was really a health decision, mm. um, and also. After, as I said, after a couple of weeks, it was more like exploratory, seeing what I liked, what I didn't like. I mean, I have to say one of the best things that I've eaten locally is if you go to the ferry um, in Cookham, Mm -hmm. the green bowl there is amazing. Is it? Um, And it's just things like that. um, Just uh, it made it it made it quite easy at the start because it was new things. Mm. But. I'm no longer vegetarian. Um, and the, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> the reason why is, you know, you go to these restaurants and there's normally, you know, you have goat's cheese tart. Mm. And it's, that's what's on every menu. And it's quite similar. Or they just forgotten to cater for vegetarians. And it's like, here's an side thing or we'll rustle something up mm. for you. And I know that that is changing. So... I, you know, my wife and I love to go out for really nice food and I'm sitting there going, I'm, I had food envy sometimes. Yeah. And I think I just decided that whenever I went to restaurants, I would, this is after a year. So I was vegetarian for a whole, for a year. Brilliant. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to 
just if I'm at a restaurant, I'm not going to hold back. I'm just mm. going to have whatever I want, really. Um, and then that's kind of slowly crept back into just cooking at home. But I'd say my meat intake is probably down about eighty percent from wow. before. So it's got its sort of legacy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no like processed meats mm. or anything like that. It's you know, simple vegetables mm. is you know. That's great in terms of your uh, little one as well, isn't it? Because I think when you do decide to eat differently, and particularly if you do decide to eat more from the ground, mm. you do tend to have to get a bit more um, diverse in the range of things from the ground that you yeah. eat because you can't rely on the same things all the time. No. I mean, nutrition, we talk about eating a rainbow of vegetables and actually yeah. even when you look at your plate, seeing a rainbow of vegetables. So, yeah, did you I, did you find that with your... I love making his plates of food, like in the little bowl that sticks to the, sticks to the tray. Oh, with, yeah, with the suckers on. Yeah. Suckers yeah. On. He's just come on. He's nearly two, so we've stopped doing that, but that means that the plate might fly. Yeah. But we have to encourage it um <laughs> but it's just even just having that rainbow effect on the on the plate you know it's normally it's like those those plates you see on instagram where it's just divided in three with a mm. little circle in the middle and we'd like put a little bit of hummus in the circle no matter oh. no matter what he's eating if there's hummus on it he'll eat it so he'll have we, it we trick him into eating all these things that he normally wouldn't oh i um, love that and so it's it's quite nice and, <laughs> and what about so your experience of going a vegetarian because of the app did that mm. mean that what you uh did it change in any way like what you liked or what you didn't like based on you know your experience rolling out the app because of course not every recipe would be vegetarian did you find that you were drawn to other recipes within it or um no, actually, but some of our people who work at Played Up, you know, they've got their dietary preferences or religious beliefs that they will not, um, you know, work on certain recipes. Wow. And so we've, we're very honest and open with them whenever they join. Mm. If you're uncomfortable with anything, you mm. let us know. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, without naming names or talking about people in particular, um, somebody in within the company drafted a blog for me about favorite brunch places in london yeah and it was it was i i said these are the places that i love please can mm. you like put this in uh and and i changed it some one of the one of the dishes um it was fish and i changed it to like beef and she just said i i can't put my name on that right sure um, yeah. and i said fine like put my name on it anyway yeah. I mean, it looks as if i'm busier yeah uh, <laughs> make me I'll, look good I'll, I'll steal i'll steal your work that's, uh, that's an interesting point though people do have um dietary preferences what can they do can they make make that known in the app is there a facility to do that yes um so we you can filter by your dietary preferences and also your any allergies you have brilliant so um yeah if you just put it in put your dietary preferences we also have whenever you sign up to the app your household size as well so i was going to ask about that yeah so it's, it's very tricky to do but um, especially whenever you're working with these top chefs and you know they don't want their recipe methodology altered in any yeah. way but if you change the serving size then you're going to have to change the methodology slightly mm. and things like that so there, it, that comes with its own challenges but what we don't want to do is have food wastage and food wastage in the country's worth 10, yeah. 10 billion a year oh. and so what we try to do is whenever you amalgamate all your recipes mm. and you go to checkout, we automatically de-dupe anything. So if you have, you know, 
if you have eggs in a couple of recipes, they won't buy you eggs twice. You yeah, know, yeah. You'll yeah. have six eggs, you won't have 12. Um, and you know, then, as I said at the start, you won't, we have all these cupboard items, so you don't end up buying all these things that you don't need. Mm. And then like, say for example, with the eggs, because that's a great example, you know, as a family, we get through mm. a lot of eggs in mm. a week. If we needed six for two of the recipes that we're mm. going to, but we're going to get our weekly shop at the same time as we were planning our recipes, we can then add more eggs within the shop if we want to, before it comes to our yeah. house. So the great thing i think i'll probably play it up is that if you are on a subscription service that you know they send a box to your house and mm. you know, the meal subscription service you might have meals for three nights five nights whatever you choose and you get to choose from you know, less than 40 recipes yeah on play it up you can choose from over 500 recipes 500 plus yeah, wow we've got about another 100 in the pipeline um and then you can you know do that on your dietary preferences plus the household size mm. but you can we've also got um, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner ideas. Mm. Like so, you can. It's not just for that. So if you do a subscription box service, then you still have to do a food shop, whether that's online or you yeah. go to the shop yourself. So we kind of take that aspect out of it. it's a one-stop shop. So whenever you check out within the Plate Up app, you actually go to your supermarket with the basket already populated. So you can still get your toilet roll. Just go in, get your yeah. toilet roll, get your, get your keys, <laughs> coffees, everything Brilliant. else. If you know, if, if if you just want toast in the morning, just add add your bread, add everything, if whatever you want, you That's just add so like your normal shop. So it it saves a lot of time, mm. um, and we think it will probably save a lot of money. One, you're not buying too much food mm. um, for the week, and I think I discussed this with you uh, last week as well. Because doing again doing research, fifty uh, percent of all grocery shopping is impulse buys. Wow. 50% it's the highest in any bite. industry um, and that's why they have bread and milk at the back of the store because you're going to need it anyway you have to get that so you have to walk to the back but I didn't realise it was it was that much that is that's really eye opening isn't it and then it does make you think about the experience of going into a shop versus actually there you know there's a lot of people are sort of pro and anti there's always camps aren't there they're pro and pro and, uh, and against people online shopping because of uh, you know the implications of transportation and mm. everything else but actually the reality is by going to the store you're more likely to make well a huge amount of impulse buys extra packaging etc mm. what you're saying is plate up not only do you not have all the extra packaging other than what you need you're not going to waste any of the extra food either and it's a concept that sounds so well researched because they, we know that so many of those subscription boxes are really really popular popular at the moment i mean the the rise and rise of those but they sort of plateaued a little bit haven't they they have in the in which is surprising because of lockdown and i think people are they're at home more mm. so they might have a bit little bit more time to mm -hmm. actually sit down and think what do i want to have for dinner yeah or don't want to be tied to the recipes that they provide yeah the um, limited range that yeah, is available I, I, mean, I definitely think there's a time and a place for them I, mm. i've used them myself and you know enjoyed it but it's, it's, it is limiting there's it is it's definitely limiting and the i've heard some horror stories from people from those subscription boxes about the quality not not of the not of the ingredients mm -hmm. but of the actual recipes themselves once it's created yes um didn't so quite look like the picture it, yes <laughs> alone nothing i think makes seems to look like the picture <laughs> i try I'm just not not there yet it's good to have the picture yeah. but if it's unachievable <laughs> yeah. that's not so good is it exactly um so yeah, I think there's time and a place for it. I think that also with Blade Up, we, we will reduce packaging mm. and because you can add in all your 
cupboard items are your you know your household items to yeah the shop. Yep. one shop so although it is getting delivered mm. you know hopefully you're only getting one delivery as opposed to two or three yeah the other option is because you're on the supermarket website you can just do click and collect so you can go collect yeah, it yourself yeah 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 um so don't go in the store do not go in the store don't go in the store <laughs> <laughs> so i mean obviously you know you're so passionate about this you can hear it in, in your voice as you speak about plate up what from your previous life can I call it that uh you know as a lawyer would you say that you've managed to bring into play in what you do now is there anything that you learned back then that you think oh I'm glad I had that experience because it's really helped me now yeah loads of things some of which are really boring um like solid fun- fundamentals for you know for starting a business you yeah know, I, you know you, you, as a lawyer, you avoid risk and you advise on how to minimise risk. So whenever Jack and I were starting Play It Up, we, I said, you have to read these two books and I'm going to read these two books and then we're going to enter into a founder's agreement. And so if anything ever goes wrong and you know, nothing has gone wrong, mm. we know how to resolve these issues and what we're going to do with it. Sort of and, like a prenuptial, but for yeah, business. Exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, we've been friends for 15 years, but you know, if you do this, because I read the book, you're less likely to fail. Uh, yeah. you know, so doing those sort of things, then obviously... The GDPR is obviously an issue for us. Mm. You know, entered into contact contracts with chefs and supermarkets and all those sort of things. I can do that in house, and if you know if you're hiring somebody, that could be a lot of money, mm. depending on who you hire. Um, so that's been really beneficial. Um, but one thing that I think is really good. So whenever I was at more towards a more senior end of my career, I was part of the onboarding and recruitment of trainees ah. and so I was a massive advocate of a company called Aspiring Solicitors which promotes diversity and inclusion within law. Brilliant. Um, certain law firms don't you know they, they've got really good PR around it but are not actually doing Practicing what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah and so you know I would interview people and I would always choose the best candidate that I thought from the interview or, you know, their eagerness to learn, not necessarily the two pages of I've got a first class degree from X college and mm. I've done this. And you, you end up with quite a uniform set of folks coming through. And so I did not bring that to play it up. And what we've done is, We've hired people from pretty much every background um, and we've hired people through the government kickstart scheme and we give people a voice um, and I absolutely love it. We do it on Monday morning, we do a stand up with the entire team and we talk about everything, even things that sometimes I, th- I talk about our, our financial situation and our mm-hmm. fundraising. So it's all transparent. I think like, well, you know, my partners would never say that and mm-hmm. even some of the partners in law firms don't know how well funded their firms are and then know they go bankrupt Mm. um and so we try to do that and one of the best things for me is giving people that voice to give their opinion we hire really smart people and we don't want to hire really smart people and then tell them what to do of course so you know (laughs) we love to get ideas and we just kind of have this kickoff meeting every monday what's everybody doing all the different departments and everybody has different ideas and it works really well um 
the unfortunate side of that is sometimes it works too well. And I think you, you met Lauren last year, who's our first employee and she absolutely loved the standups. Um, and after a year and a half working with us, she said, Oh, I'm going to go back and do a master's degree. Can you write me a, re- a reference? And I was like, Oh, we've done too I, good a job on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said what I said. But so yeah, she got in and she she's in, in the process of doing her master's. So Brilliant. that I think that that's one of the biggest successes that we've had. We, we we've created a really good culture. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, I haven't met two of the people that we've hired. Oh, wow, because um, they're working all, from home. All done through you know, all hired through COVID. So yeah. we're going to Winter Wonderland next week for our Christmas party. <laughs> um, and so we'll see them there. And so I think that's it. It's just you know almost try to not replicate some of the atmosphere mm. in there. It's not, I want a collegiate atmosphere in our in our company. Um, yeah. Yeah, and how many strong are you now? So we've got seven, um, plus one one guy from, from back home in Bangor. Um, and then we have a team of developers actually based in Thailand. Wow, okay. So... Uh, I, whenever I was based in Hong Kong, mm. I was at a, I was at a friend's wedding, and the the lady opposite me started talking to her, and she's like, "This is whenever played up was still an idea. We hadn't built anything." Yeah, and she's, they, "I've got a great development team in mm-hmm. Thailand that have like work with financial institutions in Hong Kong, but they're really, really good mm. and really cost effective." I'm like, "Perfect." So we've been working with them ever since. Brilliant. So uh, you're seven strong here. So you, do you have a, a, a premises somewhere? Is it, are you, is it we, based in an office at all or is it we, all remote? We actually did right before before lockdown. Mm. We were very excited about it. We went to Ministry of Startups um, in short. It's very, wow. very, very, cool. um, very startup with, you know, the... Um, the little sawdust walls and everything. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very cool. I wasn't. I, was, I, <laughs> I didn't feel cool that day because <laughs> I was going in after after work. Um, you know, you know, suit and tie. So I was probably doing yeah. It. You look like a lawyer. Yeah, in look, a very cool I, place. I looked <laughs> so out of place. It wasn't even funny. And Jack just fitted in perfectly. And um, so yeah, the, could have put a pair of trainers on with that with that suit oh, and being right look, in there. Looked even worse. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we are probably going to wait until next spring before mm. we get an office but we have had we actually have a corporate relationship with a couple of the we work type folks in london yeah. um hubble hq and they're very good to us they give us passes for our team to go in Great. anytime they want so mm. they want to break from home they go in or if we've got jack's def gone in a lot more than than i have and you know if we've got like a big project that's coming in they'll all go in and, and do it all so how did covid affect the business did you think it was um more positive than negative i it so it was the perfect time to release this app if the supermarkets had have had delivery slots uh-huh so <laughs> uh, we thought we are gonna we're we, in we rubbing our hands go- together exactly, i'd say the cancellation reasons and thank you to anybody who tells us why they've cancelled because it really helps us like mm. feedback is key so please keep that up yeah um was we can't find a delivery slot about 80 percent 90 percent of the people who decided to stop using the app did so because they couldn't find the delivery slot from the supermarkets and and the, all logistics are done by the supermarket so yeah we can't we, we're we have no control over that whatsoever mm-hmm. um so it was very frustrating for us and uh, you know whenever COVID hit it was almost our first launch type thing and yeah we can't get 
the food delivered so great app but yeah that's tough isn't it i mean so early on in a business's um existence but yet i suppose if you can kind of get over this get through this um and also at a time whether you know you could go on to achieve amazing things which it sounds like you are you're getting there there. um but but also the reality is that you know people are more focused i think on um creating food at home they want to know where the ingredients have come from and they want to be able to put it together themselves but quite often they just need the inspiration of what to do because otherwise you do get stuck in a bit of a rut I mean I know you know my mum worked full-time growing up and we did have a reasonable range but it was a bit of a rotor it was you know five meals week one a different five meals week two and then we back to week one again so you always knew by the day of the week what it was you were going to be eating you know whereas I know you know I know in our household about my daughter's friends will quite happily say that we never know what we're going to get when we come to your house which is quite true it might be a different version of what I did last week um but it was but it's still different so I mean your um kind of your learnings from your um previous career to where you are now and your um you know what you sort of brought with you what would you say has been the biggest kind of challenge so far with um setting up a startup business from being a lawyer to um yeah food tech startup what's been the biggest challenge there's so many (laughs) um yeah there's different things from different angles on the on the tech side I don't have a tech background so Jack has thankfully a tech background so I had to learn a lot of even just the terminology of how that worked so Mm -hmm. that was very difficult to me but also we are constricted by resources as well on that side so Mm. you there's lots of different things that we would want to do, like build up our AI even quicker by paying Amazon to do it for us. But, yeah, you know, we don't have that. It's a nice so to have. It's but... a nice to have. Mm. For me personally, I think the hardest challenge was um, to change my mindset around work and the culture, which I've already talked about. But so I think. Whenever I was in private practice, it was very much you do what you're told mm. and you work until you can't work any longer and then you go to bed, which you probably don't have the best output on. So now, I'm, yeah, my life's very different. Mm. I do nursery drop-offs and pick-ups, so I work from about 8 to 5 and then don't work till 7. Wow. And then I'll go back and I'll work after that. So you changing that mindset and also not emailing my team mm-hmm. after I go back at seven. Yeah. Whereas before I would have been like, I need this on my desk by nine o'clock in the morning. That's not what we do. So mm-hmm. changing that mindset and getting out, getting that out of my system was hardest. really difficult at the yeah. start, I think. And I'll, my team are listening. Let me know if I haven't done it. Yeah. Again, feedback is key. Um, so that was very challenging for me. And also um, output. Mm-hmm. Because now this is really creative and there's so much creativity with everybody that I work with. Mm-hmm. Lawyers are not the most creative people um, it, as a general rule. I was going to say, not in the work that they do, you wouldn't necessarily think, but yeah. clearly there are many people that practice law that are quite creative. Yeah, it's just they have to hide it. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. Don't let anybody yeah. know your true colours. No, so, uh, so I think it's, you know, I, I expect this to be done. All these adverts that are going out, need to be done by tomorrow and then they're sitting thinking well we have to brainstorm for a couple mm-hmm. of hours and we have to and it, so I've learned I've had to learn that you know it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a different process it's creativity takes time it's, yeah exactly mm-hmm. um so th- there's not like a cookie cutter way of doing things you know and so that's that's been really really quite good fun to learn mm. as well but it has been hard 
Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's really interesting you say that. I can see the parallels as well yeah. with the work that I do. The fact that, you know, creating recipes isn't something that I sort of go, right, today I'm going to do this, this and this. It's sort of something that comes to you. Mm. Like, right, I must go and create that That's whenever I'm feeling it, you know, which sounds yeah. very, you know, you know what I mean, lardy dart. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, like, let's take a brief pause. And when we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about uh, you. Uh, you know, your, your background, uh, sporting background, I think, which is quite interesting, probably does play into what you do now. Um, and a little bit more about how life has changed for you since starting Plate Up. Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell, Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley, Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to this Let's Do Lunch. This is a show all about food and nutrition. I'm your host. I'm Jenny Tishi. I'm a registered nutritionist, but also an absolute foodie. And on this show, I interview a series of guests who have a specialist area or a specialist company. And this company we're talking about today is Plate Up, which is a new food tech startup. I say new. It's been going for over a year now. It's been out and about, and there's some. Really Really exciting things happen, which we're going to happening, which we're going to come on to. Um, but one of the founders, Connor Boyle, is here with me today, and um, we have something in common: that you have a sporting background. Did that uh, tell us a little bit about your sporting background, and tell us a little bit about how that maybe plays into um, what you do now, or at least your relationship with food? Because I think there is something that comes with the needing to perform and what we put into our bodies. Yes. Um, so growing up, I love playing sport, but I, I focused on tennis. Um, and so, you know, I got to a decent level um, mm-hmm. and I started playing my, my coach and started beating my coach. And at this stage, I wasn't the nicest person in the world. I was very, very competitive. You, you know, can there, say that now. There was there was rackets being thrown everywhere and my parents were not proud of me whenever that happened. Um, and then my coach at the time said, I can't coach you anymore. You know, so I had an interview with like the top coach in, in Ireland and you had 45 minutes to impress him and then he would decide whether or not you were good enough or had the right mentality to be one of his kids. Elite. Yes, uh, it was all very nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I did the 45-minute the session with him and at the end of it, he was like, yeah, Connor, you're great. Like, you know, you've, you've got what it takes, but you're, I was 14. He was like, you're overweight and you're not fit enough. Uh, here's wow. a skipping rope, lose half a stone and come back to me. To the point. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then he, he also gave me an, a very boring nutritional guide, you know, mm. chicken and, you know, just basically lean so meat. plain chicken. Yeah. Did you, did, did you go as far as fish or was that not into your... That was not in... That was too, that too was, much. I, I still can't do fish. I can do... I just can't do it. I don't know why. I've tried it. I've tried it so many times. Um, um, my wife loves it. And um, you, you really grew up by the water. I know. <laughs> the um, irony. And my, my poor parents. Um, I, I'll have um, sh- like mussels and things like mm. that, but just... Actual fish like, fish. Like a cod. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Definitely not. So yeah, that, that was kind of whenever I first started um, thinking about what was going into my body. And actually, it's just come to me right now as I'm thinking about it. My sister always used to laugh at me because cause I was playing sport all the time. If I wasn't on the on the tennis court, I was playing golf or I was mm. playing badminton. I think I was actually better at badminton, but I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, and I would literally for lunch put potato waffles underneath the grill and put loads of cheese on it, and that would be my that would be me for the day. Mm. You know. And then Michael came along and he was like, Right, this you're having basically chicken and rice or chicken and veg every single day until you lose this weight. 
Um, and yeah, it was really good for me. I got really disciplined. I changed quite a lot in that period of time, um, mentally more than physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and went from being a you know, decent player who played in all the tournaments but never really got anywhere to you know won the national tournament like under sixteen. And it was, Were you still enjoying your tennis as oh, much? I loved yeah, it. I, I I changed completely. There was less racket throwing. Good. Um, I think that was probably because I didn't lose as much. Um, yeah, but <laughs> that does all happen. tied in. Uh, absolutely loved it, and actually, this is a complete segue. I got chronic fatigue from about seventeen to twenty, so I didn't take it from that sixteen mm. onwards stage. Um, and some of the guys who I did play with who did go on and try to you know they played a couple of itf tour events mm. and things like i haven't picked up a racket since because it was just at the, from that point it got a bit more brutal yeah and a lot more competitive and you didn't feel like, like you progressed at the same rate so trying to pick it up after four years after a four-year gap would be too hard yeah um well i i actually did i, I went to the states and i played varsity out there but oh, cool. so i took a gap year not a gap year i went to university out there but i didn't do too much academic work. I mean, played, <laughs> played, I played lots of played, tennis. Played lots of tennis and <laughs> bit it of was, golf. It was, yeah, the golf course on campus. Yeah, there you go. It was great. fantastic, it was perfect. That was one of the best years of my life. Uh, and again, like when I was there, it was, there was a lot of nutrition. Like the coach, you know, ironically was very overweight, but wouldn't allow us to eat anything that wasn't. Would he eat in front of you? Oh yeah, nice. Or he would stop off whenever because <laughs> we'd travel all around the Midwest. And he'd stop off at Wendy's and get himself burgers and he wouldn't get us anything, oh. you know. Um, but that taught us a lesson in some respect. Discipline, I suppose, discipline, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, af- after that, like, I really, and actually whenever I was, had chronic fatigue, I went to doctors for years and they didn't know mm. what was wrong with me. And I actually went to um, a therapist, I suppose I would say. Um, mm. One of my sister's best friends who just said, look at you know, top right of the room, mm. imagine a, a goal and then make it bigger brighter better and my mm. goal at that point because I could hardly walk actually wow. um, was I wanted to get back to the tennis court and within three weeks of and she gave me extra nutritional advice as mm-hmm. well lots more b12 all that sort yeah. of stuff and at within like three four weeks i could walk to the tennis course it was only about 150 meters away from my house wow. but that was a win for me that is incredible um, so, so it's both mindset and nutrition yeah. i was going to ask um did you put in place any particular kind of uh, nutritional strategies or did you change what you were eating in order to get out of that situation because i mean chronic fatigue i've had a an olympic athlete um anna hemmings on here and she suffered from chronic fatigue for her diet wasn't really the key but did you change what you ate to get out of that situation um, or to at least I, help i stopped eating what wasn't good for me yeah but i didn't stop i didn't really change much so i mean if crisps and chips didn't exist i would be a, a proper athlete um <laughs> you know, that is uh, a quote so, if ever so, i heard one so I, <laughs> i'd be a proper athlete yeah, without these <laughs> so so i I, did, I cut that out and that made me feel a lot better and mm. less lethargic and as I said, it was a win just to be able to walk the tennis court. So it was, it was that. Um, but nothing. It wasn't anything too strict at that point. Yeah. When I was strict, it was probably between like fourteen and sixteen. Was probably as strict as I've ever been. Yeah. And you've talked about your um, becoming vegetarian and then now not, but you know, still having a lot of vegetarian food and mm. vegetable-based dishes in your diet. What would you say is your connection with food now? Where are you at with that? Uh, I love trying new things um mm. especially with the app like lots of things are coming across my desk 
every day. Um, again, last week, <laughs> la, la, last last week we talked about the the new air fryer. That yes, bought, and so Black Friday deal got myself an air fryer. So I'm Yay. really keen to do that. It's sitting <laughs> beside my desk at home as we speak. So that needs to come out of the box and get in there. But you just you, we see new recipes come in almost on a daily basis, mm. and then we have to decide whether we want to put them on the app. What you know, do we need it? Does it fit in with everything else? And you know, sometimes you're just sitting there going, this is quite data-driven. It's mm. not it's not passion, it's not creative. It's like, we've already got this, we don't need this, and this is why, or maybe this one's better. Um, but I love to try the things that do come onto the app. And yeah. obviously with 500 plus recipes, you can't do everything. Can't try them all. Can't try them all. If you had um, to if you had to guess, how, what percentage would you say you have tried? Oh. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, at know. 500, it's probably only going to be a very low percentage, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I've probably tried about 50. Mm, that's pretty Probably, good. And, and there's a couple that I keep going back to. Yeah. And I try not to do that, but they're, they're just good. Mm, so, yeah, uh, I, I love that. Which is your favourite recipe on the app? Well, actually, last night I did a cook-along with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the Thai green curry. Oh, yeah. Um, it's on the app. It's with pork, but I swapped it out and mm-hmm. had some chicken. Brilliant. Um, so yeah. you haven't been put off chicken by all those years of chicken? No, no, no. <laughs> well, um, so I only ever ate chicken breast until I met my wife. And then she's uh, from Hong Kong and was like chicken breast is rubbish. That's yeah, the worst part. Yeah, you need flavour. Yeah, so there's like <laughs> thighs and everything going in there. It's like... Like four years ago, I wouldn't even five years ago, maybe I wouldn't have even tried it. And now it's mm. like that's the go to. Good, and it was delicious. And my, <laughs> my my nephew um, is training to be a chef back in Bangor, Brilliant. and so he cooked for my family who are still over there. So it was, it was a nice. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I love that, and you're sort of influencing the family still. Yeah. So um, we haven't got long that long left. So I was going to yeah. ask, um, where are you at right now with Plate Up and? And what are the future plans? I know there's a really exciting announcement today. Um, I don't know if you want to share that with the audience, because yeah. I think this is wonderful. I've been somebody that's been using the app, but this is really exciting. This is really exciting. <laughs> this is why I turned up all the shovel this morning. So, <laughs> I did wonder. At about seven o'clock this morning, uh, we just got Apple's approval to release a new version of the app. And the app is now completely free. That is absolutely brilliant. So basically people can access all of those recipes and all of that recipe inspiration. Everything. The whole way through the journey is completely free. Go and check out the supermarket and everything. The only thing you need to pay for is the groceries itself and delivery charge if they charge it. That is brilliant. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of work that was going into that and we really wanted to get it done for today so I could tell everybody. And you can. This is wonderful news. Seven o'clock this morning. So hopefully all the... Since I've been here, I haven't checked my phone, obviously. So I hope all of the uh, alerts and the newsletters and everything's gone out. So really, really exciting times because our vision at the start of this was to be inclusive and try everybody to try new foods and, you know, save time on on their grocery shop. So like we're in a position that we can do it it now. Yeah, it feels really good. Um, That's absolutely brilliant. Exciting, And and it was really nice this morning. The whole team was involved in doing everything, you know, from the app side of it to the ads to Mm. the social media. So it was really nice. What time did you find out this morning? Seven. That's early. So, yeah. You've been going since then. Been going since then with the nursery drop off in between. Um, And it's just been... It's just been really, really exciting. So go, go, go. As soon as I get out, I'm going to check my phone and see all the newsletters. I know I know what's in them. because. And know, here you are yeah, today on our so, show, which is brilliant. So I love cool. this. <laughs> it, it's just, it's phenomenal. And it's been a lot of hard work to get here, but mm. it's, it, it's really cool. And I hope people 
use it more like some people were saying oh it was 199 a month mm. and you know we, but it was we, a barrier for some it right it was a barrier and we didn't want there to be a barrier because mm. we think everybody should have access to this absolutely um, you know it kind of in, uh, inspired by marcus and mm. and tom with their their meals uh, for the schools and that was a really good project it's still ongoing yeah. and it's just we want to make these you know available to everybody as well so no it is and what about the future because you've got some exciting new content coming on loads of new content um we are and i can't say anything yet it's <laughs> we're, we haven't we haven't signed this agreement yet but we are very close to signing an agreement with a chef agency that has cool. a lot of phenomenal celebrity chefs very well known ones very well known ones that you will um see on this morning you know saturday kitchen oh every it, it's going to be phenomenal yeah so we, we've got some of the recipes in already which are i'm excited to try some yeah they're really good <laughs> one of them actually has that in the description so i can't wait to try them um it's just a case of you know going back putting my lawyer hat on and getting yeah. the deal signed publishing houses pr companies photographers you know there's lots of different things that i didn't know that you needed to yeah, yep. there's lots. There's lots of sides, and there's, I guess lots of sides to you now. You yes, thought you were a lawyer, but you're not. So many hats. <laughs> um, so yeah, the top chefs are coming on board. Um, well, more top chefs. We've got phenomenal chefs on board already, and some like great restaurants, um, mostly based in London. So okay, um, so if people have been had a great night out, but would now like to replicate some of the things they've eaten. Yeah, then look on the app. Exactly. So where can people find out more about Plate Up? Where which are your social media handles, and how do they get the app? Yeah, we're on all social media handles. Just Plate Up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to our website, you can see the sign up to our newsletter and that's when you'll find out all these exciting, exciting things. things so it's uh play it up dot app okay so and it's going at quite a pace so get signed up yeah it's going at quite a pace get signed up the other thing that is worthy of note is that we are only on iphone at the minute so we're only on the app store so you mm-hmm. can have iphone ipad um we are currently just because there's not enough things going on currently developing <laughs> our, our web-based application um and that will be dynamic so it'll work on all android phones as well Brilliant. so i encourage anybody to go sign up to the newsletter mm. on play it up yeah app, and regardless whether you're and using android we'll or not to tell yeah. you whenever that's coming out and it should be in january oh. or q1 2022 i don't want to put too much pressure on jack to get it out in january. okay so plate up is where you need to go online plate up.app is where you need to go if you want to um sign up to the newsletter um so last thing we've got some quick fire questions they are quick fire uh what would be your death row meal Ooh, <laughs> i did say i like chips but um <laughs> probably bangers and mash really good yes and gravy yeah. oh yeah everything it has to yeah, be smothered to be. in gravy uh what's your favorite restaurant oh there's, I have to do two. So fine dining would be Rubichon in mm-hmm. Macau, went for my anniversary, and Whoa. they have a <laughs> trolley for everything, for champagne, for all the meat that came out, for the bread, everything, it all came out in a trolley. On its own trolley? It was amazing. Like a presentation, um, like a show. Yeah, yeah. It, and my, my wife decided that she wasn't going to drink, so I had ordered a half bottle of really nice wine that I checked from a list and didn't realize the price but i ordered i ordered another one because it was so good <laughs> and i got the bill and i was like oh this is not good but what i really love so that's fine dining so i, I really love just really good pub food done mm-hmm. well so after this i'm gonna go around to tom's place mm-hmm. the, the the butcher's tap yes i went there with my son and my wife a couple weeks ago and he had a half pint of prawns i just love, love it. it good good food good messy Simple. food yeah done yep. well done yeah really it is done it. really really well uh so next question i may know the answer to this already but who's your favorite chef or chefs yeah i think 
I admit, definitely Tom Gage. I, I just love his stuff. Um, just good pub food done well. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that would be it. And if you had a fancy dinner party, who would come? I'd invite Tom so he could cook. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Denzel Washington. Good. Just because he's the best actor of all time. And if I'm feeling down, which is lots of peaks and troughs, um, I'll listen to some of his motivational speeches. Um, and then the Roger Federer, best Great athlete choice. Not our, had him before, yeah. Best athlete of our generation, I think. That's controversial. <laughs> and then my favourite person in the world and the smartest, funniest person I know, my wife. Oh, that's lovely. That's yeah. lovely. And probably your son and future. No, because I want to enjoy the, uh, <laughs> the food. <laughs> Maybe when he's a bit older. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any fingers in any of No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You don't want to have to share it. You don't want anything taken from your plate, oh, thrown on I the floor. I should invite my wife then. She always takes stuff off my plate. Oh, shit. Oh, no, no, I think that's the best way to enjoy food. Uh, Connor Boyle from Plate Up, thank you very much for being with me today. It's been really interesting. I said it was like having a chat. It is like having a chat um, and I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast this show today um, this is Let's Do Lunch I'm Jenny Tishy. you can download podcasts any of the ones that I've done or anybody else via River.Radio and you can do that by any normal mechanism by which you listen to podcasts so thank you very much for listening today I'll be back this time next week 12 on Thursday have a wonderful weekend everybody and I think I'm allowed to say Merry Christmas or something like that but not quite <laughs>